I, uh, uh, I want to tell you, I got it wrong too. Uh, I got it wrong twice. <laughs> but you know what? I, I've come to realize that what we just went through is a very important experience for, experience for us to learning how to hear the voice of the Lord. Um, you know, uh, in fact, would you take your Bibles just for with me a few minutes uh, along the line? I want you to jump with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60, really pa- powerful passage, uh, even along with what Jessica was saying here. It says this, arise, and what does it say? Shine. Everyone say shine. shine. Now, how many of you know that sometimes we don't always arise and shine? Sometimes we arise and fall flat in our face. Have you ever have you done that with your eyes? And, you know, sometimes we think that shining, uh, and I remember ministry. I remember growing up in the church. I grew up in the church. And I'll never forget hearing when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord and walking in faith and walking in the power of our new identity and creation. creation. I remember ministry used to say this. Don't you ever prophesy or speak or share anything unless you absolutely know you've heard from God. Well, you know what that did to the whole congregation? It shut us all down. Well, okay, I'll stand out of the way. I I won't say nothing, do anything, because I don't want to mess up with the guy upstairs. Oh, I don't want to mess. And that is not at all what the Bible teaches How many of you know the reason why Jesus chose 12 fumbling, bumbling disciples? How many of you know those guys weren't, didn't necessarily have the sharpest deck, you know, and uh, they didn't have it all together? And there was a reason why. Because Jesus was trying to demonstrate, help illustrate how our Heavenly Father wants to relate to us. You know, too long, too long, the church has been so characterized as a place where when you come into it, you lived under this fear of a God in heaven who's ready to smack you. And and people have been raised that way. I've I've heard so many parents come in and bring their children. And, you know, kids can kind of be a little bit clumsy and and they're coming into into the house of the Lord. I'll get my button on, guys, here. Uh... Uh, but but kids coming into the house of the Lord, and, and I've heard parents do this. Oh, now stop that. Straighten up. Don't you know that God's up there looking at you? I, mean, I, I can't. I, I want to help you parents to realize that what you've done is you've just put an unhealthy fear and an unhealthy image of God the Father in the life and the mind of your children. I want to tell you something, and this might be a kind of a, a, a rude awakening for some of us, But God is fun. God is actually fun. He actually wants you to have abundant life. And some of us think, well, the only kind of abundant life God wants us to have is sing in the choir and and kind of look like we're holy rollers or something. That's not the kind of fun. You know, it's amazing how the devil has deceived our entire world into believing that the only kind of fun you can have is getting drunk, getting stoned, going to a club, going to a party. In fact, you know what? All that does is bring their life into a, a life of, of, of entrapment and snare. And uh, I'll never forget years ago when my wife and I, we went on one of our very first cruises. 
And it blew our minds. Because people went on the cruise, and it was a place, you know, where you're, you don't have to drive, so you're kind of confined on this long thousand-foot boat. And it's a place where they just continually ser- ser- serving booze, and these people are getting stoned. And I'll never forget, we were at this dining table, and all these people about our age were sitting around there, and, and we were going around the table asking about what we do and this and that. And I, I made, actually, a mistake by telling everybody I was a pastor because all of a sudden now i become the week-long counselor for all of these people. Uh, I'm not kidding you because, every, uh, because what I come to find out is a lot of the people that got on the cruise, now they, 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 they were there to try to have fun. Do you know that you can't even have fun unless Jesus is in your life? Because you know what most people do to have fun on a vacation? I mean, think about it. Here's people, they're working hard all year, and they, they, they're, they're looking forward to going on their week-long vacation. And you know what they do? They think, well, this is the time for me to enjoy with my significant other or my spouse, and I'm there. And so they get plastered for an entire week. And you know what they're doing? What they're trying to do is forget the pain. They just, they medicate themselves to, to forget the pain that's back home. I could not believe, Carol and I walked into, or had addressed two or three couples that time that were so in full, so much pain because they were there and they couldn't even enjoy their own cruise because of the, the marriage issues and the family breakdown and the pain and the sorrow that was going on in their families back home. And so they're out on a cruise trying to have fun. And the only way they can have fun is to medicate themselves and and just get drunk. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what a horrible way to live. Isn't that a horrible way to live? Because Jesus said that he wanted us to have abundant life. Amen? Do you know why the Bible says to arise and shine? It's because there's something so glorious and so powerful inside of you. Something that is so alive. That, that Isaiah had this vision that you have something to display. There's something inside of you that is so bright and so alive. And, uh, let me give you what those things are that's shining. The first thing that's shining out of your life is your passion for Jesus. Amen. If, if I don't have a passion for Jesus, how, how many here have ever seen somebody in love? How many here have ever been in love? Well, the rest of you are, need help then. Praise God. But can, have you ever noticed something about somebody who's in love? You know what they do? They love to talk about it. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever, ever been around somebody that's really in love? They just love to talk about the person. And, and in fact, you know, you just want to get away from them because all they want to do is talk about the person they're in love with. But, but they're, and, and they can't think. They can't do a whole lot because they're in love. And you see, one, one of the things that's, that, that shines in our life, and that's, it's because we've had a revelation of the love of our Heavenly Father. And we've had a, a, an amazing encounter. Everyone say encounter. Because see, our relationship and our walk with God is a series of encounters where we're experiencing that abundant life from glory to glory. Isn't that right? I mean, that, that's where it should be taking us. And I, I remember talking to one young man one time. He says, you know, Pastor Ray, I want to tell you something. I do not enjoy prayer. I don't enjoy church. I don't enjoy my Christian walk. In fact, I never have. And I said, well, why do you think that is? And he says, well, I, I, you know, I read the Bible, and 
the Bible really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And, and even though I read the Bible, it just doesn't seem to connect in my life. And I said, what kind of image do you have of God your Father? What, what is the image of God in your mind? I said, what, what does he look like? And he says, well, he's kind of a God who's kind of frowning at me. He's not really happy with me. I said, where did that come from? Well, I was raised in church, and I was raised by a lot of Sunday school teachers that said that if I don't get my act together, God's not happy with me. So he was raised by a series of teachers and Sunday school teachers and some, even some parents that said, if you don't get your act together, oh, God's not going to be happy with you. So we, we, we have a lot of stereotypes and some real bad, vain imaginations and some wrong images, and, and we've been scolded. I'll, I'll never forget one time my brother and I were coming to church years ago. We were coming to church. My brother and I were kind of clowning around and elbowing each other, and I'll never forget my mother took both my brother and I by our earlobes and picked us up because we were sitting down. Everyone else was standing up. They picked us up by their ears, and my mother, she whispered, she said, God's going to get you. And I'll never forget my mother telling me that. God's going to get you. And I, I'm not kidding. I, I was so afraid that lightning was going to strike. Now, I, I know what my mother was trying to do. She's trying to straighten me up. But you know what? That, that little thought stuck with me for years about a God who's going to get you. And guess what? That's a wrong image. Now, I, I do believe God wants us to, to train our children in the way, and I, I don't believe kids ought to be clowning around, parents ought to not be clowning around. We, we, when we come into the house of God, we can have a great time. But, but I, wanna, I want us to realize that a rising and shining starts with a passion that comes from an encounter. It comes from that encounter. And aren't you grateful that Jesus wants to encounter us with his grace and love. In fact, do you know that Jesus means grace? That's the grace of God. Now, that doesn't mean that God's overlooking sin and over, he's not hiding sin and putting things aside, but he wants us to encounter his goodness and his love. You know, in John chapter 8, there's a powerful passage where Jesus had an opportunity to just expose the Father's heart. And it was when one day Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and one day the Pharisees got a hold of a woman in the act of adultery, caught in the very act, brings this woman, throws her right before Jesus as he's teaching. Remember what happened. And the Pharisees who were experts and lawyers of the law said this. Moses said that anyone... Uh, in sin or in adultery must be taken and stoned because they have broken God's laws. And that was the image. That was the characteristic. That was the mindset in that day that people had about the image of God. That God is going to stone you. He's going to kill you. He's not happy with you. And do you know what people had in Jesus' day. When Jesus came, the image of God in the hearts of people was based on the kind of facial expressions and the way the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the lawyers during that time dealt with the people. And by the way, the Pharisees had nothing to do with the people. They were cruel. 
They were mean. They were unmerciful. They had no compassion. There was no patience. There was no sense of failure. They weren't even friendly. They weren't even friendly. And so when the people came, they came to the synagogues out of guilt. They came because of fear of of their families not being blessed or their families living under the curse of the broken law based on what the law and the prophets said. And so their whole image, their whole image of God was a God that was angry, mad, and, and, and disappointed. I'm disappointed with you. That was the image. Do you know that that is the image of what a lot of Americans think today? They don't, they don't have a God who's, who's a God who's actually looking at them like a father. I love, how many of you love Luke 15 where, where Jesus refers to the, the, uh, the three parables of the lost son, the lost coin, and the lost sheep? And I love that text where it says that the, the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus, they went to the disciples and says, why does your master eat with sinners? Jesus was comfortable in the presence of sinners, but what he was doing, he was building a bridge. Everyone say a bridge. bridge. See, that's what grace does. Grace builds the bridge. Grace repairs. Grace restores. Grace begins to rebuild the right image that I need to have in my life that helps me to fall in love with my Heavenly Father. Because Jesus came in the form of the seed of Abraham and he was the living demonstration of a father. Because Jesus said in John 5, he says, everything I see, everything I do, I do it because I see my father do it. He was the expressed image of the, the father himself. And when Jesus came, Jesus began to express that image of the Father. It was, an, it was an image of mercy. It was the image of a Father who demonstrated tremendous kindness. How many here have a friend? Anybody here out have a friend? And I, I bet that your friendship and the longevity of your friendship has been based upon the fact that you can talk to them. And that because they... How about believe in you? How many of you like your friends that because they believe in you? How about maybe you can go to that friend when you've really blown it and failed and you know that they will support and strengthen you? They, they, where I'm not talking about hiding your sin or covering your sin or living in denial about sin, but your friend is someone you can come to anytime and they will still believe in you, and they're going to say, you know what, you've fallen on your face, but I'm here to stand with you, and we can get up, and we can go together. I'm not going to let you go, because I believe in you. How many of you have a friend like that? You see, that's what we all need. Jesus was a friend to sinner. When Isaiah said, arise and shine, it was because we have a passion based on encounters and experiences and a relationship. And so when Jesus met that woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, and the disciples tried to entrap Jesus with the scenario, based on what Moses said in the law, remember what Jesus did when they said she was caught in the very act? What happened? 
when they brought that accusation before Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus did not even give them any attention. He knelt down in the sand, and with his finger, he began to draw. Some people believe he was scribbling in the sand, and he didn't even, as though he didn't even listen. And the Bible says that they kept pestering Jesus about, what would you do, Jesus? What would you do? How many of you know that when you live under the law, do you know what you do when you live under the law? You punish people. People that are under the law and have been raised under a legalism, they tend to be critical and cynical and they want justice. They broke the law. Somebody needs to pay by God. See, that's legalism. Now, grace is not excusing sin. But what grace does is it transforms people so they no longer have to continue in sin. How many of you have ever been transformed? How many here have ever got a speeding ticket? The rest of you are liars. No, I'm just kidding. Now, you know what, you know what happens when you get a speeding ticket? Now, this is the way our law works in the land. What they do is they give you a citation. Isn't that right? Maybe you get a citation, you've got to go before the court, you've got you to pay a fine. I, I've, I hate to admit, but I've had several citations. Uh, I, I've had uh, a few speeding tickets in my life that I am not happy with. Uh, and I've had a few times where I, I th- in fact, I, I remember telling my wife on a, a few occasions, I said, Carol, I can't believe that the speed limit is this, this speed I mean, a donkey could walk faster than this. I, you know, I, I, I had my excuses, but, and I didn't agree with the law. Nevertheless, the cop pulled me over and gave me a citation. Now, I, I want you to know, the citation did make me mad. I wasn't happy about Garland. I was angry that they gave me the citation. And I, I'm just going to be really honest with you here. Some of you parents may say, plug your ears, kids. Uh, but, but I remember uh, I wasn't motivated to slow down because of my citation. In fact, I even hate to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what I thought? I'm just not going to go down that road anymore. I'm going to find another way to go. See, see that's, that's not real change. Now, I will tell you something that really did impact me one time. It was right over here off Brand Road. I was, uh, I was uh, riding my own motorcycle, and I was stopped by a motorcycle policeman, a Garland motorcycle policeman over here. And I didn't come to a complete stop, went around the corner, and I was driving along, and the guy put the lights on me and stopped me. I pulled on the side street right over here on Brand Road, and this is what he did. He comes up to me, he says, uh, can I see your driver's license insurance? I said, sure. He says, you know why uh, I pulled you over? I said, yep, I do know why. I did not come to a complete spot, spot, stop. And to my amazement, and I wish I could say this happens all the time, but it did. But to my amazement, he stands back and he says, wow, an honest one. I'm going to let you go. And he let me go. Now, you know what? He showed me mercy. He gave me grace. But you know what? 
I'm going to tell you something. I came away from there thinking, you know what? Wow. I, I, I want to I want to obey the law. It did something in me because mercy was shown versus the citation. Now, I understand there's other reasons for citations. I mean, they have other reasons for it. But, uh, but I, I want you to notice when, when mercy is given, when there's grace given, a lot of people think, well, you show them mercy, they're just going to take advantage of it. No, that's, that's not what God believes. Actually, it's the goodness that leads us to repentance. Amen? And see, when, when we experience the goodness of God, that's what, that's what transforms my heart and my mind to want. Everyone say want. want. So, so, so we, we have a problem with the desire to do the right thing. And it's grace that empowers us to do the right thing. It's not fear. Fear actually makes us afraid. And what I'm saying here this morning is that all of us have something inside of us. When Isaiah said, Arise and shine, for your light has come, it's because we have something that our neighbors around us desire. Do you know that? First of all, it's passion. The second thing that that is shining from your life is the goodness of God. You know, my wife and I, we've done this once already this year, but next, next month, in the month of September... We did this one time already this year. We've invited our entire neighborhood. We've had about 30 people in our neighborhood. We've invited them over to our house for a barbecue. We're doing it again in the month of September. This is not a church activity, but this time instead of 30, we've got about 90 to 110 people coming. Now, guess what? It's not a church affiliation. We're inviting them over, and and I'm saying that in reference to what John was saying about his dream about these seats being filled with a lot of non-Christian people. And let me tell you something. When non-Christian Harrys and Marys begin to see church people begin to go out of their way and show them kindness and love and friendship. And you know what? I am expecting people to come into our house or probably outside of our They may be smoking. They may bring their Budweiser beer. Some of them, like last time we had somebody came over, they had pot on their breath. We knew they were smoking pot for whatever reason. They thought they had to get high before they came to our house, but they were high. We had a lot of different groups of people like that, but you know the one thing they, they, they left our house that day feeling? They felt, wow. Why did you do this? How come you opened your house like this and was showing us, and and you gave us barbecue for free? They are so blown away. They have been asking us. Is that right, Carol? They have been asking us, when are you going to do it again? Now, you may say, well, Pastor Ray, obviously, you know, you give people free lunch. Everybody's going to come to your neighborhood. Well, it it wasn't just that, because guess what? When we had people over, we had people that have no friends. Do you know how many neighbors that are around you that have no friends? There are couples, and they're single people. They've never darkened the door. They've never talked to anybody. They have no concept. They're afraid of church. They're afraid of our political system. They're afraid of the world. They've They've heard so much nastiness, so much politics, so much negative junk on the news. And when you show up and you let your light shine by letting them know, by the way, Larry, Latanya, I'd love to have you guys over at my house for barbecue on Friday night on September 23rd. 
Do you know what you do when you do that to people? You blow them away. All of a sudden, they start asking, why do you think Ray and Carol's asking us over? I, I bet you, you they're going to hit us up for Amway. <laughs> or or m maybe it's a pyramid system. And they come over. I, I mean, that, that's what happened the last time. They come over, and we didn't hit them up. We didn't solicit. We didn't give them little badges and little uh, a touch cards saying, come to new life. We didn't, we didn't preach at all. All we did was we let them know that there's special neighbors in our neighborhood. And all of a sudden, now they're talking to us. And they're asking questions. And they're opening up. And the, the, the one thing that's kind of neat with me, I've got some men that are just wanting to talk about life. What a neat thing. They wouldn't darken the door of a church. What does it mean to arise and shine? It means that I recognize... And listen, I'm, I'm here to give a, a prophetic word to all of you. There is something amazing, powerful, and beautiful inside of you. You have something that is so attractive. And once you begin to realize that, and you begin to think outside of the box, and you begin to really realize that, you know, God has strategically placed me in my neighborhood to testify and bring life to people that are dying. They're dying, and they're hurt, they're wounded, they're alone, and they're wait. Do you know that you are God's answer to their prayer? Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're God's answer to someone's prayer. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, I've never even had anybody over in my life. What are you talking about, arising and shining and letting my light come? Well, see, here's the thing. There's also something else that is shining, that God wants you to shine. First, it's not only your passion of Jesus and your love for him. By the way, if you have no passion for Jesus, God, by the way, you will be a bore. I'm just going to be honest. If there's no passion for Jesus in your life, people can tell. They can tell a phony. But, but here's the, the key, and, and Jessica laid a hand on it a little bit. One of the, the, the most important thing that gives you a passion, and today, if you have no passion for Jesus, let me tell you the root problem, lacking passion. It's like, it's like a marriage. If I ever stop loving my wife and she is no longer important and she's no longer uh, 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 dear in my life, you know why? Because there's mixture. Everyone say mixture. You see, something else has come in my heart and is dividing. I'm a double-minded, two-souled man. All of a sudden... I no longer love my wife because my heart is divided. You understand what I'm saying there? See, that's, that's what turns the first love off. That's, that's why my love grows cold. Jesus said in the last days, your love will grow cold. Why does your love grow cold? Because my heart is divided. I no longer love the Lord because <laughs> I love the world. I have things in the world that's pulling me. So when you come to the house of God, let's get all excited about See, only those that have a pure heart can love God because you're devoted to Him. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine on your wedding day coming down to get married? How many of you know that there's going to be a wedding day? There's, there's, there's a, a marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me just say this. Because the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a bride who's in love with Him that doesn't have spot or wrinkle. 
In other words, he's not coming back for a bride who's not ready. He's not coming back for a bride who's not in love with him. Some people think, well, I'm going to make it to heaven. You're not in love with him. Can you imagine that? Somebody, how many would feel bad if somebody wanted to marry you to use you? Wouldn't that be bad? Well, what if you were very wealthy and very rich and you found out that the woman or the man you, that wanted to marry you wanted to marry you for your money? Or because, I just like heaven, but I don't want you, Father. I don't want you, God, but I want to, I, I want to escape hell and I want heaven, but I, you know, I don't want hell. So at least I want heaven. I want that mansion over the hilltop. But I don't really know if I love Jesus. See, let me just say this, and I'm not, I'm just going to be very straight about it. People that go to heaven are because they're in love with Jesus. So I, that, that's an important thing, amen? But now I don't, I'm not saying that to put a blank in any condemnation, but it's important. Re- remember what the, the prophetic word out of Revelations 3 to the Laodicean church. What was the Holy Spirit saying to the Laodicean church? And this, this is kind of tough, but he says, because you say you're not hot nor cold, but you're what? Lukewarm. I'll still bring you in. Is that what he says? He says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. By the way, that's in the New Testament, folks. That's not Old Testament law. He says, unless there's passion in your heart. And I'm not saying, well, Pastor Ray, are you trying to put kind of... No, no. Here's the thing. I understand there's reasons why people lose their passion. There's reason why people get distracted, double-minded. There's, we live in a world where everything's pulling on you, pulling at you, pulling you away. Uh, there's hurts, there's pain, there's issues in your life. But I'm here to tell you this morning that even right now, you can call on your Heavenly Father, you can call on the Lord, you can call on His name, and you can be saved. You can be restored. And the Bible says, He, uh, it says that, uh, uh, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So we have a God right now, there's still time, there's time right now for us to be restored to Him. We don't have to come under condemnation. But it is important, and Jesus said, we need to be watchful and be ready. Amen? So those things are important. But arising and shining, not only do we have passion, not only because we've tasted of His goodness, but the last thing is every single one of you have a testimony. Everyone say testimony. Do you know that you have all come from different backgrounds and different pasts, and God has given you a testimony? Do you know what the purpose of your testimony is for? And some of you have gone through some difficult times. Some of you have gone through some trying times where the devil had you down for the count, and you never thought, aren't you so grateful that God's grace has kept you from what the devil intended for evil in your life? God's grace has pulled you out when you thought there was no hope and you never thought that you would make it and God came right at the nick of time. He delivered you. He helped you. He healed you. He restored you. He gave you a breakthrough. Some of you are right now are still waiting for certain breakthroughs in your life. I'm here to tell you, God has not forgotten you. In fact, sometimes the reason why God delays His coming to some of us is because there's a greater miracle. You remember the story about Mary and Martha. One day their brother, Lazarus, got sick and Jesus delayed his coming four days. 
Mary and Martha knew they had faith that Jesus could heal Lazarus, but Jesus intentionally delayed and let Lazarus die. Sometimes we wonder, Lord, why did you let certain things go? Do you know why the Lord allows some things to happen that might even be painful? Because he's going to produce a resurrection. He's going to bring something in your life. He's going to raise something that's dead in your life. It's going to be a dead marriage, a dead vision, a dead dream, because he wants you to arise and shine. What's going to be shining? Your testimony. There's something powerful in you. You are not weak. You are not just some kind of an accident. You have been divinely called and appointed, and God has such a master plan to bless you, to increase you. In fact, notice what else Isaiah says here in Isaiah 60. He says, Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord. That means the favor, the blessing from increase has arisen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. You know, this past week, I was telling my wife, we had come back from Clovis, New Mexico. We hit some challenges. And I said, Carol, God's glory is upon our house. God's glory is upon this church. And you know what Carol and I did? We begin to declare what God's word said versus what the enemy was trying to tell us. See, some of us, we need to take our spouses by the hand and say, in Jesus' name, we will arise and we will shine. His glory is upon us. We are not going to become some kind of a statistic in this problem. God has given us a purpose, a call. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's put within us the seed of the Word of God. He's blessed us. He's caused us to be raised for his glory he has seated us with him in heavenly places and the end of this beginning is that all things are going to work together for good you see we made those declarations in our house and guess what the devil came in one direction but he fleed seven directions i want to tell you something you have to open your mouth good preaching pastor Ray. Let me tell you what else it means to arise and shine. Arising and shining means that you need to tell your kids. You need to let your kids know how great your God is. I need to, as a father, it shouldn't be coming from Pastor Ray. It needs to be coming from dad and mom in the house. You may say, Pastor Ray, but I'm no preacher and I don't know the Bible very much. You don't have to be. But you know what you are? You're a mighty man of God. You may say, why, why is that important? Because when your kids hear you give glory to God, guess what? That begins to make Jesus a hero in their heart. Because you as a father begin to give testimony to who God's how God is great. You know what we do? This is what a lot of people do today. Well, I lost my job. Man, we're going down. I don't know if we're going to make it. Need to get another job. Well, I'll tell you what, if you wouldn't have spent so much money last week on that thing. And we end up fighting, and little ears and little eyes are sitting in our house. Mom and dad, who go to New Life Fellowship, are so much telling us how bad it is and how the devil is getting us. And wow, 
we go to church, but where's God here? Where's God? I don't hear dad. I don't hear mom talking about God's goodness and God's glory. But instead, it's bad. It's going to hell. We're, we're losing our house. It's going bad. I know it's really quiet here right now. But what I'm trying to say is that somebody in the house says, listen, God's word says that if we pray and we seek his face, that he'll be faithful, he'll hear us from heaven, he'll heal our land, he'll restore us. And so we as moms and dads get together, we begin to arise and shine in our house. All of a sudden, our kids begin to say, you know what, dad? I want to serve the God you serve. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I've got to pat myself here on the back a little bit. And you may say, well, by the way, I, I don't think it's all that great at preaching. Uh, but I, I have to encourage myself here a little bit. But, but here, here's the point. God wants us to begin to think and walk and talk like the winners he created us to be. You're not some accident, and you're not just some individual waiting to get to heaven. God wants your life to count now. He wants you to know that there's power, there's life, there's, there's potential in you. One last scripture. Jump with me to Matthew, and I'm closing. Matthew chapter 12. Listen to what scripture says here. I know I'm kind of off script this morning what I'm doing, but I felt the Holy Spirit just say to go this direction. Matthew chapter 12. Listen to what it says. Verse 33. Matthew 12:33. Make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by what its fruit jesus said make the tree you know what he's saying right there i am not a victim of what has happened to my life he said you can make your tree good He's saying, make the tree good, and guess what's going to happen? The fruit's going to be good. How many of you want good fruit in your life? Want a fruitful marriage, fruitful kids? said, make the tree good. Now, how does that happen? He said, I need to make it. I need to make this happen. Then he says this in verse 34. And he's, Jesus here is speaking to the, the, the uh, Pharisees. Brood of vipers. In other words, he's calling them a bunch of snakes. Wow, that's kind of tough language. Thank God your pastor is not calling you that. Amen? Praise God. And I wouldn't do that anyway. But Jesus says, How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus here is saying, How can you even expect anything good? Because you're talking evil all the time. And how can you, how can you being evil, even bring forth good things? And this is the answer in the next verse. He said, a good man out of the good treasure, everyone say treasure, that word means deposit, what has been deposited, or a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. A good marriage because of the good treasure brings forth a fruitful and good marriage. A prosperous and a good life because you planted and you have deposited good treasures brings forth a fruitful and a prosperous life. Jesus is saying that a good man 
because of what treasure or what he or she treasures brings forth good things. How many of you want to see good things? He says, a good man out of the good treasure. My question is, if I'm going to arise and shine and my life is going to reflect prosperity, abundance, favor, and blessing, the question is, what do I treasure? What are the things that I'm putting in my life? What am I listening to? What am I thinking on? What, what possesses my mind? What am I reading? What, what television am I watching? What are the friends that I surround myself with? Because you know what? You have something to shine. By the way, you're shining something all the time. Do you know that? You're shining what Jesus said, make the tree good and the tree is good. Make the tree evil and the tree is evil. You are reflecting something all the time. And you know what? Somebody's eating your fruit. They're eating your fruit right now. They're coming and they're, they're, they're being blessed. They're increasing. They're experiencing the love and the life of God. Their, their faith is growing because there's something that you're feeding on and there's something you're giving off. Arise and shine. Amen. How many of you were going to rise and shine? Now, some of us, you may say, well, Pastor Ray, you know what? I don't like the fruit in my life because I've got some poisonous seed that has been planted. Maybe somebody's planted some seed in your heart. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe some seeds. Because, you see, every garden is going to produce what seed has been planted. If you've got a weed patch, if you've got a weed patch, I need to ask myself, what seeds have been planted? If I have good fruit, it's because you planted good seed. So I need to ask myself, what has been planted in my home, my life, my heart? What's been planted? What is being produced? Because it's a law of God. Whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. Amen? So I need to ask that question. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Let's bow our heads. I want to ask us a very simple question. I want to ask you this morning. Am I living the blessed life? Am I living a life that is where Jesus is being glorified? Where my life is being blessed and others are being blessed? Or do I see in my life where the tree or the fruit of my life has, has been kind of anemic? Now here's the thing. You don't have to judge yourself. You don't have to condemn yourself because you don't like the fruit on your tree. But the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you, not to condemn you, but to let you know that you can experience a better kind of fruit. You can experience an abundant life. You can experience a transformation. And, it, and all it takes is one simple thing. <clears throat> it takes us coming to a place where we surrender. We just say, Father, you know what? I, I have been trusting. I've been leaning on some things and decisions, and I've allowed my mind and my heart to go down some different paths that has not allowed a good and healthy fruit in my life. I'd like to see that changed and transformed. I know, Lord, that you've given me a testimony. You want my passion. You want my heart to be on fire for you. And Lord, I'm, I'm asking you right now, 
Lord, to just open my eyes. Open my heart, Lord. Help my eye be single and focused on you. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I've, I've kind of drifted. Drifted away from the Lord, and I just don't even love God. There's nothing wrong with being honest. It's important to be honest. I've told the Lord myself in my life. I've even, I remember days where I said, Lord, I, I know I'm supposed to love you, but I just don't. I've grown cold. There was a day when Ray Galligan had to confess that. I grew cold. Because I was wounded. I had offenses in my life. I was angry that God didn't step in. I was mad at God. And the Lord had something much better. But Satan had come in to scatter the sheep. To, he, he tried to plant a lie, to put a wedge between me and my relationship with the Lord. And maybe that's, that's where you're at this morning. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord is saying that if you come unto me, you will draw nigh to me. I'll draw nigh to you. We have a father who has a smile on his face. When he took that woman up, who the disciple or the Pharisees wanted Jesus to stone, Jesus said, Where are your accusers? I have neither condemned thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus' plan was always restoration. I don't care how far you are away from the Lord. I don't care how deep your sin is. Our God's, God's grace is strong enough, it's powerful enough to not only wash your sins, but to restore you and place you in right standing with your Heavenly Father. He wants you to come home, and like the prodigal son, he had a father who met him with kisses, he slayed the fatted calf. He put a robe on his back and a ring of authority on his finger. And, and one of the symbols of sonship was sandals on his feet. Four things was restored to that prodigal son because that father so desired for his son, his daughter, to come home. I'm here to tell you this morning, folks, I, I believe what John said today was a, a prophecy where there, we're going to have a lot of unchurched people in this church, and it's not because they're drawn because of a religious affiliation. It's because they're going to find meaning. They're going to find life. They're going to find Jesus, which is real in their life because of your lives, because of what's shining out from you. I want to tell you, I am so proud of this congregation. I'm so proud of you guys because you serve, you give, you sacrifice. I really am. I'm really proud of this church. You guys are great givers. You love God. You always, the, 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 the VBS a week ago was a tremendous blessing to our community and in this church. So proud of you guys. But God wants to take us into greater levels of his presence and his glory. He wants us to make the tree good. Amen? And maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, I don't necessarily like the fruit on my tree. I need the Lord to bring healing in my life and my heart and restore me. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you right now. Anybody there? Okay, I see your hand. Anyone else? Okay, I see your hand. I, I don't like the fruit. It doesn't necessarily mean you're backslidden. I just, I just need to see the fruit transformed in my life. I know God has greater things for me. I know he has greater things. 
Let's stand to our feet, shall we? I know about four or five of you raised your hand this morning. And I want to give a chance for some of you to just come down. I want to pray for you because I, I believe we need to settle this and seal it. I believe that the days ahead are going to be greater days. Amen? Amen. Please see how great days ahead of us. How many of you believe Jesus really is a, is a, a friend who sticketh closer than a brother? Amen? Amen? He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to know that you're a champion. He's not ashamed of you because Jesus took your shame. You're not a victim because Jesus, His body was broken so you could be whole. He loves you this morning. Anyone else you want to come say, Pastor, I want a fresh start this morning. Anyone else? Some of you raised your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to tell you, we just honor those. God has some amazing things. How many of you believe He wants to give us abundant life? Amen. He does. He's proud of you. And He calls you blessed. He doesn't look at you with a frown on your face. He looks at you and He says, I'm proud of you. I love you. And he sees, and he says, there, there's, a, there's a, an anointing, and there is a, an amazing future. There is blessing ahead. And he's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's come to put his arms around you and let you know that you're a special treasure, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You're special to him. You're his friend. And he loves you. Amen. I, I want everybody to say something. I know this may be a little difficult, but I want you to say, I am, I am special. special. I am, I am powerful. powerful. I can, I can do, all do all things. And I can be friendly. And I can arise and let my light shine. I can pray for the sick. I can reach out to my neighbor. I have answers. Because God has changed me. I'm a solution to a problem because of His grace that abides in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you. As we've made this declaration before the throne, and Lord, I, I see standing before me, Lord, some amazing champions, winners. Lord, what the enemy meant for evil, Lord, you have taken by your grace and you have raised us up. You have put gifts in our life. You have put a vision in our hearts. You put a word of victory in our mouth. And the enemy at times comes in like a flood to bring accusation and allegation and tries to let us think that we have been left behind, we have been forsaken. But I, the Lord, would even say, even to all of us, even as a congregation, that you're my sons, you're my daughters, and I have opened the heavens upon you, O woman, O man of God, and I come to declare my favor, I come to declare blessing, I have come to remove the stumbling block 
I've come to empower you with a fresh vision this day. For surely, saith the Lord, those old bones that are dry and dead are coming together. And I'm going to cause that passion to arise. And you're going to begin to experience the love and the passion and the fire of the living God. Even in your prayer life, oh man, oh woman of God, it is a day where I'm declaring even into this house, it is a fresh Start, saith the Lord. It is a start uh, where I'm even going to cause even those days from behind to be a long, lost, forgotten memory because I'm going to cause even this day to be like a new birthing. Even in your life, you're going to give birth. You're going to give birth uh, to something that is going to even cause others to be in shock about what God is doing and saying and even uh, uh, blessing you beyond even natural reasoning because I, the Lord, delights to bring abundance and increase. Oh, do not say that it, my time is gone. My time is far gone. The days are too far past. My days are over. Do not even say that. Look unto Abraham, saith the Lord. For did I not choose him? Did I not even call him in even the latter days of his life? And did I not call him a father and a mother of many nations? And I blessed and I increased him exceedingly. And I caused him, saith the Lord, to be a father and to be blessed. And he walked before me perfectly. And he walked before me in the abundance of the word that I had for him. And I declare that even to you as a people this day, that the blessing of the Lord and the increase of the Lord shall come into this house. It shall be a sign and a witness to the glory of the living God. Therefore say that as for me and my house, as we serve the Lord, the Lord will bring increase. The Lord will bless us abundantly and great shall be the joy of his saints. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the abundance that you've given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, you've come to wrap your arms around us today and you've let us know how special we are in your sight. We stand here washed in the blood of Jesus, cleansed, made new in a new covenant as sons and daughters. Father, go with us. Help us to arise and shine. Let us realize that, Lord, there's a, there's a work. There's a purpose. There's potential. And, Lord, we'll set our hand to the plow, and we will not look back. We give you praise. And everyone said? Amen. Turn to someone and say, you're a mighty woman, man of God, in Jesus' name. God bless him. Love to have you here in Jesus' name. Praise God.